Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob and I'm here with Walter. And today we're going to go through a set of questions about racism and abortion for an exhibit on racism and abortion. So Walter, welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. And in this episode, we're doubling as content for the this uh, racism and abortion museum uh, exhibit. And so we have a unique set of questions uh, to discuss. Uh, would you start us off by sharing who you know who you are, your background, and what led you to the subject of abortion? Well, my name is Walter Hoy, and my wife and I, we lead the Issues for Life Foundation. That's the number four life foundation. And our website is issues for life, the number four life.org. And what got me involved initially, uh, just being pro life, was the birth of my firstborn son. He was born oh, about five months, a little less than five months. And um, he weighed in at, at 2.1 pounds. He ultimately went down to 1.9. And I was literally holding him in the palm of my hands in the hospital uh, like I would a fork or a knife. I mean, he was just barely there. And the Lord answered my prayer. I had been praying all night, had heard anything, came into the, the preemie war early. It's about four or five o'clock in the morning, and I'm there, and I'm praying. And God spoke to me. He said, Walter, and when he speaks to me, he calls me by name. And he said, what you're holding in the palm of your hand is what's supposed to be on the inside of a woman. Now, at that point, I had never really thought about it. I wasn't pro-life, and I had never really understood you know, what the argument was all about. But after hearing God speak to me and holding my son in the palm of my right hand, and God simply saying that what I'm holding in my palm is what's supposed to be on the inside of a woman, then the pro-life movement became clear everything became clear and after that oh my goodness i've been pursuing the pro-life issue with black leaders and black churches ever since awesome what a, what a good uh origin story thank you for sharing that um are minorities in america mostly pro-choice pro-life undecided or other or something else no no no. i, I think the, the majority are pro-choice or pro-abortion and that's primarily because in the churches, we just don't talk about it. Abortion is probably the number one, the most controversial issue in the black church today. And so uh, if we're not gonna preach about it, we don't talk about it, uh, that, that's what's gonna happen. Now the Bible, as you know, is extremely clear, Old Testament, New Testament, you, you can't really get away from it. There's no question where the Bible stands. The Bible is, abundantly pro-life. Uh, the child is created by God in the womb. There's no question about that. But if we don't preach it, if we don't talk about it, that's where the problem comes in. Some, some claim that Black people and pregnant Black women in particular typically receive unequal medical care. Uh, so pregnancy poses a higher risk for Black women compared to other women. Is this true? And if so, would it help justify abortion choice policy? I don't think that is, is true 
overall everywhere or it may be true in some places uh, racism is still real alive uh today but for the most part uh, i know plenty of women uh including women in my family that have gone to the hospital without any problems whatsoever the the, the issue really is that we need to address abortion for what it is we're literally taking the life of an innocent human being and let me tell you, the, the, the mothers, they know that. When I was standing outside an abortion clinic, I was holding a sign that said, God love you and your baby, let us help you. And the sister would literally walk up to me and she said, hey, preacher, she recognized me from the pulpit. And she would simply say, is it true? She's wondering, she's struggling. She's got a lot on her mind right now. She's about to walk into the abortion clinic for an appointment. She sees a preacher standing on the public sidewalk she reads this sign and she really wants to know, is it true that God loves her? And I said, oh yeah, it's true that God loves her. Now, keep in mind, she's in church. She's seen me somewhere in the pulpit. So she's in church and she's really wondering, that's how difficult this decision is for her. And I say, oh yeah, God loves you. Then she would say, well, if it's true that God loves me, is it true that God loves my baby? And for her, for the mother, it was always her baby. It wasn't fetal tissue. It wasn't a clump of cells. It was her baby, and she knew it. And she wanted to make sure that God loved her and her baby. Oh, my goodness. And then finally, my sign said, God loves you and your baby. Let us help you. And then she would jump in my face. The sisters had no problem getting in my face. And she'd say, well, what you going to do about it? And then I didn't care what she needed. We met her need. And when we did that, so many things changed. So I'd highly recommend that type of approach for the pro-life movement. Awesome. That makes sense. Um, Pre President Joe Biden on the campaign trail said, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for Joe Biden or Donald Trump, then you ain't black. Now, Biden was the Democratic presidential candidate at the time and a committed pro-choicer at the time. What do you think of this quote? Is it just poorly worded, a bad joke, or perhaps it's perpetrating uh, the idea that Black people feel a sense of duty to support pro-choice candidates? President Biden is as racist as the day is long, and it's a long, long day. There's been no question throughout his entire career where he was on the race issue. I mean, he's even celebrating and attending KKK members. Oh my goodness, there's absolutely no question that Joe Biden is as racist as the day is long and it's a long day. And that statement that he made that everyone has seen, I think it was on, was it Charlemagne the God's radio show? Oh my goodness, I'm surprised Charlemagne didn't jump all over him for making that kind of racist remark. I was stunned, but what, what's happening in our community is allowed for President Biden to get away with that. And so there's no question in my mind. If we were honest, if I was just sitting in a, in, in a meeting and it was all Black Americans in that meeting, every last one of us would admit, oh yeah, if we're going to be fair, honest, open, that's as racist as could possibly be. And everyone knows Joe Biden is racist. Yep, that makes sense. Um, so people have argued that abortion choice policy helps 
minorities achieve equality and overcome historic obstacles facing the black community. How is that supposed to work? Do you agree or disagree with that logic? I, I disagree with that logic. And, and I'm talking about when you go all the way back uh, in our history as, an, as Americans, oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, we were slaves coming up. And then 19 or 1865, the Civil War ha has ended. And oh my goodness, when you listen to the slave tape, when you live here with the slaves have to say, when you look at what it took to get the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, and when you look at the Reconstruction era, you begin to see where our values were as people. And let me tell you, I mean, oh my goodness, initially every single Black person in America during the Reconstruction period, oh my goodness, as soon as we got a chance to vote with the 15th Amendment, mm, every last one of us was Republican. And we were all Republican. Because we knew the Democrats were the party of the plan. There's no question about that. And we didn't want any special privileges. We just wanted to be able to learn how to read and write and work. And when we put our families together, when husbands married the women and raised their families and taught their kids, oh my goodness, it's a, there was nothing we couldn't accomplish. And we've always accomplished it that way. Even in the civil rights movement, during the 1960s, oh my goodness, we were fighting for the ability just to make sure we could go to school, just to make sure the laws apply equally to everyone. And oh my goodness, uh, those have been historically the Black values down through history. And I think you can look at Frederick Douglass, you can look at Booker T. Washington, you can look at Black Wall Street, oh my goodness, an entire town, all Black. My goodness, highly successful. I mean, we had banks, we had business, we even had airports. I mean, we were working it. It was working for us with those biblically-based Christian conservative values. So what I'm hearing today in terms of about what's going to work for America and what's going to work for Black America, it, it doesn't reflect anything that we've learned from our past and learned from our history. And certainly it doesn't reflect anything in terms of a biblical model. Yeah, good points. Um, so what is eugenics and is abortion choice policy aligned with eugenics? Absolutely. Eugenics is about killing people. Let me just get right, be honest. You can look at the definitions about eliminating human beings, but killing people. I mean, Margaret Sanger, oh my goodness, a eugenicist, Margaret Sanger, yeah, the same woman that founded Planned Parenthood, a eugenicist. When you look at her history, and I've got her history all lined out on my website for the brothers, when you go to my website and check in on the library, on the first floor on the left-hand side, there's a department, a Margaret Singer department. All the data is right there. It's clear, even in her own words, in her own publication, and those that she was working with. I mean, even in her Negro project, hmm, Lord have mercy. It's very clear that eugenics is about eliminating human beings and specifically it's about eliminating black Americans. Yeah. So essentially speaking of Margaret Singer, so or uh, so who is Margaret Singer and what is the Negro Project? 
Oh, my goodness. We're going back to the early 1900s. And yeah, notice that it's the Negro Project, Marcus Sanders' Negro Project, not Asian Project, not Italian Project, not White Project, not a Hispanic Project. It was the Negro Project. And what she did, she understood that the Black leaders in the church were the ones that had the most impact in Black America. So she recruited Black leaders from all over the nation. And oh my goodness, she used Black leaders to communicate the need for, at the time, birth control. Birth control. And oh, oh my goodness, it was amazing how actually effective that was. And it's still, uh, so to speak, even working today. And um, we're fighting against that. We're working hard to turn that around. Hmm. So abortion is sometimes compared to slavery. Is that a fair slash valid comparison? And would you explain your thoughts? Well, abortion literally takes the life of an innocent human being. There's a, a human being inside of that woman that's been created by God. And yes, the child has no choice and the life is just taken, eliminated. Done. Well, in slavery, that, that was very common uh, for life to be taken, life to be just used and abused at will. And when we actually look at what it was like during the 1800s, during the early 1900s, we begin to understand that, you know, racism was a whole lot worse back then than it is today. So, yeah, in, in terms of uh, abortion and racism, mm, it's not exactly the same thing, but when you look at it from the perspective, does that child have a choice? No. No. And back in the early 1800s, early, early 1900s, did we have a choice? No. They would just ride in the town, kill, rape, steal, at will. We didn't have a choice. And so we fought back, but we could fight back more than that child can fight back in the room. So uh, we're kind of there. That's where I am in that issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Is is race-based abortion legal in the United States? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, uh, if you took uh, Black Americans out of the, the abortion issue altogether, abortion comes in. Abortion exists primarily. It exists. The reason why it started was, was because of us. It was about eliminating us. If you took us out of the equation, if you decided that now, like America, you're not doing that more, uh, abortion would come to an end. Oh my goodness. And so we have to really understand the power that we have. And this is a message I have as a pro life movement. You can do what you want. You can have the conferences, you can do the videos, you can do the seminar, you can pass out the brochure, you can stand there holding the signs in, in, in the public square. But oh my goodness. If you don't reach Black Americans, if we don't reject it, abortion is going to continue to be alive and well. And so reaching us is extremely important when it comes to ending abortion. Is is abortion more common among minorities? Please please explain your thoughts on that topic. Oh, now that's easy. You know, let's take a look at the CDC data, not pro-life data. Lord have mercy. Uh, let's take a look at the Gutmacher Institute data. Again, Alan Gutmacher 
was you know, working for Planned Parenthood. My goodness, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been president of Planned Parenthood at one time. So we're looking at a pro-abortion data, the data that they're willing to admit to. And if you take their data, what they're willing to admit to, oh my goodness, abortion in my community is overwhelming. I mean, let's, let's get right down to it. We're basically about 12, 13, at the very best, 14% of the entire population in the United States of America, top, 14, top, top, top. But we're, my goodness, we're 30, 40. And in some cases, depending on if you're going to bring in chemical abortion, oh, my goodness, it's overwhelmingly how much we are involved in the abortion issue. If you eliminated us, let's put it like this, you're going to eliminate 30, 40% of the abortion industry's business. Let's say you, you got a business. I take 30, 40, 50% of your business away from you. You're not going to be in business very long. It's going to be over. So abortion in Black America is very similar. We're easily the number one customer. I mean, I could even take it from another step. If you take a look at the leading causes of death in Black America, the government puts out as a report. The 13 leading causes of death in Black America. My goodness. We're talking about heart disease. We're talking about cancer. We're talking about diabetes. I mean, if you go on down the list, somewhere around four or five or six, you're going to see homicide. Oh, my goodness. All of the leading 13 causes of death in Black America. Abortion, all by itself. Is more, is more than at least the top five leading causes of death all by itself. They won't even include that as a cause of death because they can't, because it's the number one cause of death in Black America. Once we understand that, yeah, we're starting to get the real picture now of what the impact of abortion in Black America is. Mm, that's a good point. Has abortion choice policy been overall more helpful or harmful for Black people and Black families? Well, in, in terms of abortion policy, in terms of making it available, it, it's, it's harmful. It's really taking a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a family member. You're killing an innocent human being. And not only talking about that innocent human being, the impact that it has on the mother. He realizes that that was a child. The child had nothing to do with why she's pregnant. The child is innocent and her child. She was a participant in the death of her own child. Oh my goodness. When you realize the impact that has on any human being, regardless of race, you, you can better understand what's going on. Then there's that man. You know, it takes a man and a woman to get this pregnancy started. Oh my goodness, that's his son. That's his baby. That, that, that was his child and he has a responsibility and he knows it. He knows it. And now he has to live with that. Oh my goodness, there's an impact. There's a weight that both the man and the woman have to carry when it comes to this abortion issue. And it's a heavy weight and it has impacted the lives of so many because so many of us have been targeted and so many of us have participated in this abortion debate.
it's it's just breaking my heart what it's done to our people. Thank you for answering that question. These are I know these are hard questions. You're doing I really appreciate your answers. Um some some people argue that unequal outcomes prove that a policy slash practice is institutionally racist. In other words, if a policy hurts or helps one race slash ethnicity more than others, then that policy is racist. Along this train of thought, is abortion choice policy an example of institutional racism? You know, I, some, of, some of this thinking is ridiculous. I mean, let's try to get right down to it. Let's be consistent so that if it's wrong on the left, it's wrong on the right. If it's wrong for the white man, it's wrong for the black man. If this doesn't work over here, it doesn't work over there because it just doesn't work. And when you start applying logic like that equally across the board, there's a whole bunch of stuff that can fit within that category. It may work over here for this purpose, but you know, not over here. So it becomes very easy to understand that some of these issues are designed to reach and impact a certain area, a certain community, a certain race. Oh my goodness. And some of the things that impact us don't impact us for the good. It impacts us for the worst. I could spend more time talking about this, but oh my goodness, when I start taking a look at what happened once public assistance became a reality in the early 60s, you know, in, in Black America, oh my goodness, I'm not seeing us going up. I'm not seeing public assistance really helping anybody. We were better off making sure that the man married the woman. We were better off making sure that we worked hard to build a family, to start a job, to get a job, to build a business, to raise our children. We were much better off when we were embracing biblical values than we were embracing values like public assistance. So some people call abortion in America a black genocide. Is this overstating slash misrepresenting the case? No, not at all. The, the numbers clearly speak for themselves. I mean, let me put it like this, and maybe most people don't have any idea about this, but when I was doing my research, I came across a government document that they developed all the way to the 1850s. Oh, my goodness. We're talking about the, you know, the middle of the 1800s. And they were looking at the total fertility rate for Black Americans. Mm. Now, they came up with the total fertility rate for Black Americans. It was 7.9. When I first read that, I said, man, 7.9. We're talking about eight kids in a family. Well, we had much bigger families back then, but I thought eight was kind of low. I mean, I've known families that got 10. 14 kids in it. It was not, it was not unusual for uh, Black families to be large families. Oh my goodness. But by the time we get down, oh my goodness, 100 years later, 1950, it's down to about well, 3.9. I'm saying, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? When I get to 1975, it's two years after Roe v. Wade, we're down to two. Point five or something like that. I'm saying, hey, we're going the wrong direction. And this is important. Let me say this. You've got to have 
of replacement level for your total fertility rate, replacement level is 2.1. In other words, every woman's got to have at least two kids for your demographic, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, just your demographic. You got to maintain it by at least having 2.1, two kids per family. Oh my goodness. Excuse me, per one. Now, when you get below 2.1, you're moving down pretty close to what I call in our report irreversibility. Because if you get down to 1.3, 1.4, that's irreversible. You cannot come back from that. There's no economic model that will allow you to survive that. Oh my goodness. And right now, like America is looking at a fertility rate of 1.6. We're wow. not that far from irreversibility. Wow. Was was Martin Luther King Jr. pro-life, pro-choice, or something else? No, he, he was he he was pro-life. Uh, I, I I'm very uh I'm I'm very blessed to be uh, close to family members, King family members. Um, and it, it's clear uh, that if you look at the history, if you look at uh, the history, the records for the 1960 civil rights movement, particularly Martin Luther King uh, Jr., yeah, he was, he was pro-life. I mean, okay, let's, let, let me say this. I mean, even Jesse Jackson was pro-life. <laughs> I mean, back in the 60s, I mean, you can look at Jet Magazine articles. He's boldly pro-life. And he didn't change his thing until he got more involved with the Democrat Party while he was running for president, you know, back then. But, oh, my goodness, there's no question that as Black Americans, we were never for abortion. I mean, I got a report that goes back to, I think, 1960, middle of 1960s, and it's talking about the leading NAACP chapter in America. I'm talking about the Philadelphia NAACP. Oh my goodness, one of the leading chapters of the NAACP in the mid 60s. Now, at that time, at that time, the president, Cecil Moore, the president, he said this. This is a quote. This is from Black Lives You can read this for yourself. The quote is right there. He says this that Planned Parenthood's plan is replete with everything the Negro needs to commit race suicide. Even then, in the middle of the 60s, we knew exactly what Planned Parenthood was all about. So yeah, oh yeah, it, it, it's definitely targeting. It's definitely uh, dealing with us in a very negative manner. And oh my goodness, if we don't embrace God's word, God's biblical model, for life and family. Uh, we're down to 1.6 in terms of our total fertility rate. We get in much more. In other words, if we don't stop avoiding our kids right now, whether we're doing it chemically or whether we're doing it physically by way of you know, a physical abortion itself, we've got maybe, we, we did a linear equation. I mean, we got down to 2036, the year 2036 before we reach that level. And then the other equations we got, you know, we got down to 2050. So we're taking a look at that maybe just in a few years, we may be facing 
the elimination of Black America as a demographic here on planet Earth. Hmm. Some people argue that abortion choice helps reduce inequalities for underprivileged people. Does abortion reduce poverty slash inequality slash injustice? Has it? I mean, let's take a look at the record. Has it? it? You know, I mean, abortion first became legal in 1967 in Colorado, in Mississippi, and yeah, California. Mm. Now, since 1967, here we are. It's 2023. Has it helped? How has it helped? If it has helped at all. If you take a look at what we're talking about now, hasn't helped at all. Hasn't had any, any good impact at all. At all. And so, oh my goodness, how long are we going to keep making the same mistake over and over and over again? It's time to stop doing abortion and start moving on to something else because obviously, obviously, it's not helping. It's, it's not improving our standing here as Black Americans in the United States of America. Abortion clinics predominate. Uh... Uh, in black slash minority communities. What does this say about the abortion industry? The abortion industry has always from day one targeted black America. So the abortion industry is as racist as the day is long. We're gonna be consistent. If it's racist over here to say this, or racist over there to say or do that, then this is as racist as could possibly be. Even the black employees in the headquarters of Planned Parenthood in New York City have said on paper, it's, it's publicly available now that Margaret Sanger was indeed racist. There is no question about Planned Parenthood or abortion itself being racist. That's what I mean. We, we've got to be honest and we've got to be consistent. If that's racist, why are we supporting it at all? Why do I have anything to do with it at all? And that's where, you know, the challenge comes in, particularly in the pro-life movement, and that's one of the reasons that the Issue of Life Foundation exists today. We're trying to change that from a different to you know. so, Some people claim that the biggest problem Black families face is absent fathers. Others say that's a myth, or that the bigger underlying problem is corruption slash racism in the justice you know. system. More specifically, the justice system is targeting black men to pull them away from their families and put them in jail, effectively creating the new Jim Crow. Who's telling the truth here? And how does this impact abortion rates in black homes? You know, uh, back to this racism thing. If, if I was talking to my great grandfather or my grandfather, I'm talking about you know, 1800s, early 1900s, if I was talking, to even my, my dad, my dad bought the color line in the NFL in 1967. They had players back then, but none of us could work. None of us could work in the finances. He was the first one. That's what moved us from Detroit all the way to California. He, Buddy Young went to the New York headquarters, and my dad came out here to California, San Diego, with the San Diego Chargers. He broke the color line. If I were to talk to any of the men, the men, my father, my grandfather, my grandfather, they would have thought that abortion, I mean, abortion, but they would have thought that racism had almost come to an end. It was nothing that they imagined. 
racism that they knew, that they were a part of, was a million times worse than what we see today. Does racism exist? Yeah. But oh my goodness, if I was talking to my grandfather, he just thought, oh my goodness, can you get a job as a black man? Yeah. Can you vote as a black man? Yeah. Can you get paid as a black man? Yeah. I mean, my goodness, a black man could even be president of the United States of America. They would be stunned. They would have thought, you know, racism is over. They would have thought, well, we finally come to a point where we can do what God has created us to do. What we call racism today, yeah, it exists. Yeah, it's real, but it's nothing like it was. They were our grandparents. They thought we've overcome it. And so now there's no excuse. And then about parenting, my goodness. If you look at the data in the 60s, in the early 60s, I mean, what, 70, 75%, even more of us were intact husband and wife families, where the man was in the family married to his wife. Oh my God, raising the family. Now after that, it goes down. It's like the reverse now. It's almost like maybe 70, 75% of us are coming from families that aren't intact. And is it better? No. Are we making improvements? No. Are we gaining ground? No. Is it still slow? Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah. Is it getting better? No. So we really want to get better. We don't have to be consistent. And I keep mentioning that. We got to be consistent. Embrace the truth. Look at the data. You can see what's working and you can see what's not working. And let's, you know, throw politics out the window. Let's go with what works. And it's clear God's model, husband and wife family or that works let's do that that's good so black lives matter blm has raised mixed feelings among among black people in america we can all grant that racism still exists and there is plenty of work to still be done to heal racism racial animosity to hold authorities accountable such as police courts etc and to address other race-based problems in America. Nevertheless, BLM has also aligned with certain progressive and left-wing political causes, including abortion choice policy and dismantling the Western nuclear family. What exactly is BLM and what are your thoughts on BLM in relation to family and abortion policy? It, it really ought to call it the George Soros you know, organization. I mean, that's, that's really, where the money's coming from. Uh, I have a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, his name is Kevin McGarry, and he runs an organization called Every Black Lives Matter, E-E-L-M. And oh my goodness, Kevin is spectacular. I mean, uh, he's all over this. And yeah, you know, the organization, BLM organization, they've already been busted. Some of them have even gone to jail. We've seen, you know, what they've done with their taxes and the money, where the money's come from. It has absolutely nothing to do with, with, with black lives. I mean, let's face it, they were for abortion. They were promoting abortion in the black community. I mean, really, you're supposed to be strengthening and building up black American lives right here in America. And oh my goodness, you're supporting the killing of our children in our womb. Is that even remotely supported? My goodness, and it wasn't, and it isn't, and we can see the results of it today. So as soon as we get away from BLM and start embracing Kevin McGarry, every Black Lives Matter, E-BLM, you know, as soon as we get away from BLM, the better we'll be. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. Uh, in your opinion, what's the biggest misconception that minorities tend to believe about abortion? We, it's not necessarily a misconception. We know what it is. If we, you know, we, we're honest. We're just talking among ourselves, not being recorded. Oh, yeah. We know exactly where it is. She, she's pregnant with a child. Tomorrow, she's no longer pregnant with a child. What happens to the child? The child's there. If you leave her alone, let her pregnancy alone, it'll be a baby. And there's just absolutely no question about that. Let's be consistent. And if we're going to be honest, I think we all know exactly what abortion does. It takes the life of an innocent human being. Does a baby mean that you can't go to school anymore? No, I'm sorry. Black history proves that there have been so many of us that have you know, big families, come from big families and gone to school. Some of us have even become actors. Some of us have become doctors, business owners. I mean, I can't say that that's really, you know, a hamper to us. Oh, my goodness. And that goes for both the man and the woman. So the impact of abortion, I can't think of anything positive that has come from it. And so when people talk about that, I mean, it's almost as if they just avoid the truth as much as possible. And oh, my goodness. That's where the real problem is. we got to embrace the truth instead of avoiding it. What would you like to say about racism and abortion that you were not asked about yet? I, I'd, I'd like I'd like to say that abortion in Black America is the number one issue. We're talking about continuing to exist as Black Americans. And I'm not talking about where you can get a job or not you can get a job. I'm not talking about whether you can go or not, you, you can go. I'm not talking about whether you can go to school or you, you, you can go to school. I, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Black Americans continuing to exist. And we, we realize we're down to a total fertility rate of one, one six. And we're looking at an irreversible rate of 1.3, 1.4. My goodness, this becomes the number one issue in Black America. You've got to realize that the aim of us embracing the picture, however you want to do it, chemically or physically, abortion is destroying. As a matter of fact, it's beyond that. We're looking at the point of it eliminating Black America. Thank you so much for answering these questions. I want to go back to question number three because there might have been a recording glitch. Um, so question number three was, um, race and racism are politically charged ideas that candidates often use to drum up votes, motivate their base, and demonize political opponents. When race is combined with the topic of abortion, candidates can swing a lot of votes in their favor by saying the right thing about race and abortion. And in your view, how can black voters avoid be, being taken for granted and stay principled enough to navigate through the rhetoric and manipulation? Well, one, black voters are not taken for granted. Oh my goodness, the black voters are targeted, clearly targeted by the Democrat party. 
And so, yes, they look for our work. They work with our, our pastors, our churches. There's absolutely no question about what's going on. The Democrat Party wants to reach Black America. They talk to the Conference of National Black Churches. They talk to Al Sharpton's CNBC. And oh my goodness, the CNBC comprises, at one point it comprised nine of the largest Black church denominations in the entire country. Now it comprises six of the largest Black church denominations. And this is on Biden administration alone, millions of dollars have come to get stuff done in Black America. My goodness, so there's no question that the Democrat Party understands, just like Margaret Sanger understood, that if you want to get something done in Black America, you've got to come to the church. And that's continuing to happen today. So as Black Americans, we've got to put politics aside. What does the Bible say in terms of right and wrong? I mean, do the Ten Commandments still apply? God still got You know, my goodness. Should, should a man continue to marry a woman? Is lying wrong? Is stealing wrong? Is murder wrong? I mean, we can go on down the line. I think once we embrace biblical value and we get back to where we used to be, and we were boldly talking about what does the Bible say, We'll be better off at that point if we get back to that point and start embracing those values. We can put politics out the door. Let's embrace physical value. And our entire demographic will be restored. Blessed. Wow. Thank you so much, Walter. I really appreciate you taking the time to answer these questions and just helping us, um, yeah, to hear your voice. Um, and we're trying. my goal is to try and find several pro-life leaders who are, well, who have a, a strong voice on racism and abortion. And, and also, I'm, I'm actually having trouble finding pro-choice leaders to answer these same questions, but I'm looking for those as well, because I want to ask them the same questions. And because I think the truth will prevail when it comes to what is right and what is wrong and letting, uh, letting people speak answers to these questions and we'll be compiling them next to each other for this museum exhibit to to show people yeah the real you know essentially exposing the authentic the authentic uh history tied to racism and abortion and so thank you so much for being a part of this well god bless you love the work that you do and we'll be praying for you and, and all of yours so continue to do god's work and continue to do it his way
Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and iRapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of iRapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team.